0: Well, good morning. Let me add my welcome to Eric's from earlier. I'm Kristen Haydn, one of the pastors here, and we're so glad that you are with us. It is our final week to talk about Sabbath. What does that even mean, right? What is this call that God has extended to us to peace out and to find Sabbath rest? We started about uh, weeks ago to talk about where this call even comes from, And we went back to the very beginning, right, in creation to see that God took time to rest after creation. That God sat back and looked at everything God had created and said, whoa, that's good. And we were reminded that we are invited to do the same. Then the next week we talked about what this rhythm of Sabbath brings for us. And that in Sabbath, when we find time to rest, to be, that we are refreshed, that it's our time to exhale, that all the going and doing and creating is our inhale, but we've got to find that time to exhale. And finally, last week, we talked about how Jesus transforms this call to Sabbath, And that it's not this rigid understanding of what we can do and what we can't do. But Jesus tells us that it's the way we live. That we find those moments that remind us that God loves us. And that we love one another. Those are our moments. Those are our times. Our days. Our weeks. Whatever it may be of Sabbath rest. And so we've seen that this practice of Sabbath-keeping, it's crucial to who we are and how we live in this world. Practicing Sabbath, it helps us from getting caught up into that busyness is next to godliness type of mentality. And it reminds us that who we are is more than just what we produce. It reminds us that restraint is holy just as God exhibited on that last day of creation it reminds us that life is just as much about the inhale as it is the exhale Sabbath makes us slow down helps us give thanks provides perspective it truly is a holy endeavor That has the power to reframe and reimagine nearly everything in our world. Now, over the past few weeks, I've shared with you some of my favorite books on Sabbath, but my all time favorite is one called Sabbath in the Suburbs. Right? Can we relate? That's what we're looking for, right? (laughs) But it's written by a Presbyterian pastor. Um, She and her husband have three children. And you know they both work full-time, kids are elementary age, so they're going and doing. And they decided to take one year and to mark a day on their calendar every week to be Sabbath. A little Sabbath experiment. What would it like be like for them to really take this practice to heart? And so this book, Sabbath in the Suburbs, it's their story of how the year went. And as you can imagine, there were ups and there were downs. There were some weeks where it was great. Sabbath day came and they all gathered in their house. They played board games. They read books together, right? They prayed together. Other weeks, not so, not so great, right? She is a pastor, so inevitably things would come up at church that she would need to go to. Her husband would need to take business trips. And her kids, of course, would have school projects or soccer tournaments, You know the list. You have the list, right? But she talks about the difference they could see in their lives on the weeks when they found time for Sabbath and the weeks that they didn't. They could tell by how they interacted with each other. When they were a little short with each other, when those tempers flared a little bit quicker, they could tell... This is why they can point back and say, We didn't get our time to rest. And we can see how that affects us. Practicing Sabbath is directly linked to our behavior, our attitude, and our overall demeanor as we interact with ourselves, with each other, and with the world. When we take time to remember who we are and whose we are, it changes how we see ourselves in the mirror, right? Instead of looking and seeing all the failures, we look and see a son or a daughter of God. When we take time to give thanks for the joys and the blessings in our lives, we begin to treat each other differently we move a little slower, give a little greater, listen a little closer, embrace a little longer, and love a little deeper. And as we will discover today, when we take time to appreciate the gift of God's creation and the ways in which we live and exist in the world, Sabbath can just reframe it all, every relationship that we have. So this morning we're going to return to the Old Testament and hear more about this practice of Sabbath that that God established for the people and, and begin to see how it wasn't just a day, but it was really a pattern of living that the people were to adopt So we're going to the book of Leviticus. I know you just read it last night, but we're going to go back to it, all right? Popular book, Leviticus. But it's a book that talks about the offerings and the feasts that the ancient Israelites lifted up to God. And so we're going to turn to Leviticus chapter 25. The Lord said to Moses on Mount Sinai, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Once you enter the land that I am giving you, the land must celebrate a Sabbath rest to the Lord. You will plant your fields for six years and prune your vineyards and gather their crops for six years. But in the seventh year, the land will have a special Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. You must not plant your fields or prune your vineyards. You must not harvest the secondary growth of your produce or gather the grapes or your freely growing vines. It will be a year of special rest for the land. So here we have a call not just to practice that seventh day Sabbath rest, but a seventh year rest for the land. On this seventh year, the people were to refrain from all agricultural pursuits, right? No planting, no harvesting, no gathering, no pruning, nothing. And so just as the people are to find time to exhale, so must the land have time to exhale. Now, you probably have the same question that the people had when Moses brought this down. So how are we supposed to eat? <laughs> right? How are we supposed to keep on living, supposed to feed our families and provide if we're not supposed to touch the land for a year? Well, of course, God has the answer, right? On that last year, on that sixth year, God promises that the land will provide over and above what the people need. In fact, Leviticus 25.20 tells us that God will produce enough in that sixth year for three years to cover the sixth year, the seventh year rest, and then that first year when they're trying to get the land back and prepared. God reminds them that it's not the works of their hands that they are to rely on for survival but it is the work of God's hands that will not just provide survival, but salvation. Now, I'm no agricultural expert. In fact, I have one plant in my office, and the only way it keeps on living is because one of my coworkers comes in to make sure that I water it. Thank you, Katrina, if you are watching. All right. But I had a feeling as I was reading this, that this mandate that God gives wasn't just for spiritual purposes, right? God has a way of working and doing things with multiple layers. And so as I was reading this week, I saw that this year of rest for land, it was and is a great agricultural practice. Because the overuse of land, well, it leads to the micronutrients being lost. And so you get soil degradation and erosion. So yeah, God had a few things up God's sleeve to do about this year of rest. And unfortunately, it sounds a little bit too familiar. Because when we don't find that rest, things in our life lead to degradation and erosion, right? Our understanding of ourselves and our relationships, the way we relate to the world just begins to erode away when we forget who we are and whose we are. And so just as this seventh day Sabbath is important for the people, so is the seventh year rest, crucial for the land. Leviticus, it goes on though. It doesn't stop with this seventh year Sabbath, but it proclaims a jubilee, a kind of mega Sabbath on the 50th year here now from Leviticus you will make the 50th year holy proclaiming freedom throughout the land to all its inhabitants it will be a jubilee year for you each of you must return to your family property and to your extended family the 50th year will be a jubilee f- year for you do not plant do not harvest the secondary growth And do not gather from the freely growing vines because it is a jubilee. It will be holy for you. You can eat only the produce directly out of the field, and each of you must return to your family property in this year of jubilee. A year of jubilee. I mean, you can't say that without smiling, right? It sounds great, it sounds like a wonderful celebration but it kind of depends on who you are. Because the year of Jubilee, it calls for four different things. For the land to rest, for remission of debts, for liberation of slaves, and the return of family property. It's almost like a, a year of reset for all of God's people. Those who have found themselves in in great debt, those enslaved, those who found themselves on the bottom of the economic ladder, well, they receive a reprieve. Whatever debt they have owed is forgiven. Whatever bondage they lived under, they were set free. And whatever goods or land or resources that had been taken from them would be returned. So, yes, a, a great celebration for those on the bottom, but not necessarily something those on the top looked forward to. Now, I'm not saying that the purpose of, of Jubilee was to create some utopian society where there were no issues and everybody held hands and sang kumbaya. Rather, the Jubilee law was set up to prevent those extremes that happen when people are in charge. You know, those extremes, those things that happen when we get in charge? When we forget that everything that we do and say occurs under the eyes of God and begin to think that what happens behind closed doors, well, it just stays behind closed doors. When we forget that God has promised abundance and instead live like there is a scarcity and we must hoard all that is ours. When we forget that the land and all that in it truly belongs to God and we've just been called to care for it. And instead we grab everything and label it mine. when we forget that God calls us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And instead, we just love ourselves. So just as the Sabbath day reminds us who we are, so this mega Sabbath, this year of Jubilee, reminds us who we all are. And that God has called all of us as children. Now I know I said last week that, that Jesus came to set us free from these laws, right? And and this Jubilee law is one of those. But we also know that Jesus didn't come to just kick all the laws to the curb, but to make them come alive. So that we won't forget the principles of these laws. And instead of it just being a once occurrence every 50 years, it becomes part of who we are and how we live and how we interact. That we allow the love and the mercy that is inherent in the Jubilee to become part of this new world that God is creating, this kingdom of God that Jesus brings to earth. That we would live our lives every day, with every effort to prevent the extremes of the world. That we would work, that we would fight to narrow the gap between the the haves and the have-nots. Between the educated and the uneducated between the first world and the third world, between the healthy and the sick, between the rich and the poor, and dare I say, between the conservative and the liberal? Can we narrow the gap? Can we bring together the extremes and allow God's love and mercy to reign? Jesus takes these four calls of the Jubilee and says, make them a part of who you are and how you live. That we would allow the land to rest. I know we may not have any farmers in here, so you may think, oh good, I'm off the the hook on that one. But no, the way you interact with creation, with respect and care, that we would be proponents of debt remissions and that we would consider the debts, the transgressions, the trespasses that have occurred in our life and be ready to forgive. That we would proclaim release of the captives and fight to end slavery which unfortunately is still a reality in our world, but that we would also work to set free those who held captive by addiction, by loss, by doubt, perfection. All those who feel like they live in bondage, may we help set them free by the power of God. And finally, that we would return to each person what is truly theirs love, respect, grace, and mercy. Because that is what it's all about. At the heart of the Jubilee is love and mercy. Recognizing this love and mercy that we have received from God, and then sharing that with the world, inviting all to experience the same, not something that we continue to hoard for ourselves, but we share. To remember the Sabbath day, well, that begins our journey. But to embody the jubilee, to live with love and mercy, well, that begins to get the whole world involved. And then we are able to see the kingdom of God a little bit clearer because the ways of the world fade away and we see who God is calling us to be and the world God is calling us to be a part of. We imagine what life would be like if we lived in to this call to share a greater righteousness, a more expansive goodness, and a truer, deeper faith. You know, I couldn't imagine a better place to gather for the Jubilee than here at this table. This table that that looks so humble and yet carries with it the power to unite, the love to overcome, the grace to forgive. This is a table of Jubilee. It is a table of rest. It is a table of refreshment. It is a table that reminds us that God's abundance overflows for us. It is a table of forgiveness, a table of freedom. It is Christ's table for us. And so together we remember that on that last night with his disciples, Jesus gathered in the upper room and they shared a meal together. And Jesus took the bread, he lifted it, he gave thanks to God, and then he broke the bread. gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat. This is my body broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. Remember. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to God, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Drink from this. This is the cup of the new covenant, the cup of salvation. Do this as often as as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so Christ invites us to this table to a piece of his broken body and to drink from the cup of salvation, reminding us, declaring for us that the jubilee is here now and always the Jubilee for you and for me and for this world. And so let us give thanks to God that we are invited to the table, invited to the Jubilee. Like to invite those who are helping to serve this morning to come forward. In just a moment, we'll invite all of you to come and to share. There will be a station located in front of each section. You will be handed a piece of bread, and we just ask you to dip it lightly into the cup and then partake of the sacrament. And as I have said, this table is open to all. You don't have to be a member of this church or of any church to come. Christ invites you, and we welcome you. Will you pray with me?
1: O God of us all, God of the Sabbath rest, God of the Jubilee, reset, We come around your table now responding to your invitation with thankful hearts. God, we're thankful that you are the source of rest, restoration, and reset in our lives and in our world. God, we're thankful that you hear us when we cry out to you when we open up our hearts God we're thankful that you are faithful and just that you forgive us as we come to you now and we own and admit and confess those places and ways about us that don't belong as we repent and turn away and turn towards you God, we're thankful that you call us to be your people. To participate in your kingdom coming, goodness and righteousness, holiness, love and mercy and grace, that we can receive those things in you and we can share them with our world. God, we're thankful for this gift that you give us of bread and juice. And we ask you now to make it be for us the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. God, as we come to your table, as we come to share in this meal, may we be people of the Sabbath, people of the Jubilee. bringing rest, rhythm, restoration into our world. God, may we be people who join you in shrinking that gap, drawing us all together to the center to you. So, God, we ask your blessing for us all and for this meal. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.